Good morning, good morning. If you're a student, you are dismissed to go with Miss Sherry and Brother Nick and Miss Francis. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to leave anybody out. I welcome you this morning, uh, this Sunday before Thanksgiving. Uh, glad you're here today. I greet you in the name of my Savior. Christopher, Zach, Justin, uh, Sean, Matt, everybody, thank y'all very much. Uh, and thank you, my fine friend, um, for the worship. Miss Sherry, thank you for um, wherever you are. Thank you for challenging us. To, you could, only you could challenge me to worship the Lord like you do it. I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and it works. It makes me want to do it. So I'm glad. I'm thankful. Um, I tend not to be a holiday, um, I don't tend to do holiday messages. That's not my, um, that's not the way I do it uh, normally. But in my reading through the Bible recently, I came across a couple of passages that really just spoke to me very profoundly about the power of being grateful and the power of not being grateful and the incredible impact that gratitude can have in my influence on others and the incredible impact that a lack of gratitude can have a lack of gratitude in my life can have on others. And so I just wanted to talk to y'all today um, about gratitude. Um, the first thing I'd say to you is that, you know, there's a universal desire in every one of us to be happy. We all long to be happy but we don't just long to be happy, we long to also be around happy people. Um, I do a lot of marriage counseling. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're married to somebody that is consistently unhappy, they are consistently negative they're consistently ungrateful. That is a marital challenge. There's not another marriage challenge that you and your mate could bring me because I'd rather deal with any other marriage challenge you got because we can fix most everything else. That's a hard one. That's hard. If you see the world half empty. That's a that's a that's a that's a deal. That's a tough that's a tough deal. We all want to be happy, and we all want to be around people that are happy, and maybe that happiness will look differently, be defined differently by you than than me. But we all have an incredible desire to be happy and to be around happy people. And every one of us know of people that have made 
unbelievably foolish and destructive choices to try to find happiness. And we all know people who have made unbelievably foolish and destructive choices to get away from people that aren't happy and to be around people that are happy. Um, how does one become happy? That's an important question. How does, how does a person become happy? I think it's, it's worth thinking about. It's worth answering if we can. And I realize that there's a lot of different answers uh, to that question. How does one become happy? But I want to present one to you for you to go home and think about this week. Um, you might think that the answer to how does one become happy, the answer might be gain all that you want and enjoy all that you need. Have all you want, have all you need. But I want to suggest to you, is that true? Is the true solution to happiness is that I gain all that I want, all that I need. And I would suggest to you that that's not true. Because every one of us know people who have more than they need. They have an incredible abundance of the, the better things in life. And yet they're not happy. They're not content. Um, they, they have more than enough, but they are normally, continually not happy. People with an incredible abundance, and yet they are consistently upset, bothered, irritated over the things of life, problems, issues, whatever it would be. I think of three people in the Bible that that would describe Saul, King Saul. The, you know, the Bible gives us a lot of information about King Saul. It's one of the people that the Bible gives us more specific information about than anybody else in the Bible. This is the king of the land. This is the, uh, he's the king. He has everything he could want. And yet King Saul is never described as happy. He's always upset. He's always bothered. He's upset at the Amalekites. He's upset at the Philistines. He's upset at his son. He's upset at his wife. He's upset at David. He's upset at his soldiers. Saul is always, uh, he has everything that a person in that time could have. An abundance. But he's never happy. I think of King Ahab. Remember King Ahab? Uh, he's a, again another king. Has every, he lives in a palace. He has everything you could want. But his neighbor has a vineyard that doesn't belong to him. And Ahab says, I want that vineyard. And then he tells his wife, if I can't have that vineyard, I'll never be happy. You're the king of the land with an abundance of everything. And there's one 
garden you can't have, I'll never be happy. And on Wednesday nights, we're studying the book of Esther. And there's a bad dude, the villain in the little book of Esther called Haman. This is the second richest man, arguably, in the world. The second richest man, probably, in the world. And you know what he tells his family and his wife and his children and his friends? Because of this man, there's one man who won't act the way I want him to. And even though I have everything that I could want, I will never be happy because of that one, because that one person won't act the way I want him to. I find that very remarkable. Um, I just, kings and the uber rich, they have everything they could want except the ability to be happy. Um, You also know people, I do, who have very little in life. They have lives that are incredibly challenging, difficult, painful, meager lives that when I think about these people, I think pity. I feel sorry for them and I sure don't want their life. I wouldn't swap lives most of the time. Yet, when I observe them, Most of the time, they have lives that exhibit happiness, joy. They they have very little or even difficult circumstances. And yet, consistently, they are people that are happy. Um, I want to suggest to us today to consider this. It's not happy people who are grateful. You would think that. You would think people that have an abundance of that which makes life happier, that they would be people that are grateful. But I want to suggest to you that there are lots and lots and lots and lots of people in the world and in this room who have an abundance of that which makes life happy. But they are not grateful. Most people think that success and abundance would make people grateful. But I've come to the conclusion that success and abundance don't make us grateful. It's exactly the opposite. It's not happy people who are grateful, but rather it's grateful people who are happy. Now when I use the word grateful, let me tell you what I mean by that. I mean two very specific things. All right? I'm not, uh, there's other words that I could use, but when I use the word grateful, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not interchanging the word grateful with the word pleased. I can experience things that give me pleasure. I can experience things that make me pleased. That's not the same as gratitude. 
That's not the same as being thankful. When I think of the word gratitude, I'm using it in the context of an experience of realizing that I have treasures in my life that were given to me. Gratitude is the experience of realizing that I have been that I have treasures in my life, blessings, good things, but they came to me as a result of grace. They are gifts. They've been given. Gratitude, grateful people are aware of the treasures they've been given. And they are aware that they are unearned and undeserved. It could be skills, talents, education, your heritage, your family, friends, your job, your health, the natural world that you live in and that I live in. It could be opportunities. But things that we are grateful for are things that we recognize. Number one, that they're there. We're not just blowing by them. Shirley reads all these, uh, these writers. I'll just say that. And what's the one, the main one, uh, that be aware of the blessings around you, don't run right by them? Annie, Annie Dillard. And she's, she is a remarkable uh, uh, lady, and I've read a little bit of her. And her main deal is, is that we, <laughs> we are blowing through life so fast, and we're either blind to the blessings around us, or we're just stomping on them, trying to make, trying to, to get further down the road. People that are grateful, number one, they're aware that the treasures are there. They're focused on the treasures. And they're also aware that these treasures have been given to them as gifts. Grateful people are not people that necessarily get all they desire. Grateful people are those that enjoy what they've been given. You see the difference? A grateful person is not necessarily somebody that gets everything they want. A grateful person is a person that is able to see and enjoy what they have. And then the other part of being a grateful person is a grateful person is not rubbing um, whatever kind of... People aren't patting a sore arm from patting yourself on the back. Grateful people aren't patting yourself on the back. Look what I've done. Oh, my back hurts because I've been pulling my boots up by myself and stomping through life victoriously. Look at all that I've done. Look at all that I've got. Woo, I'm tired because I've worked hard. That might be true, but that's, you're not a grateful person. A grateful person recognizes, oh my gosh, look what I have. And every bit of it that's truly good and that's truly lasting is a gift. It's a gift. 
Now I want to really quickly, because I got a point that I want to make here at the end that I want you to leave with. But before I do that, let me, I want to give you three. I've suggested to you that it's important that we learn to be grateful because gratitude makes us happy. Happy people are people that are grateful. And I believe that with all my heart. But I also want to suggest to, to us today that there are other benefits to learning to be grateful. Let me give them to you upon me. Gratitude has a huge impact upon me. Gratitude has a huge impact upon you as the person learning to be grateful. Uh, let me give you some quick examples. I could spend a lot of time on this, but I won't. One is people that are learning to be grateful are people that have discovered They've got a productive response to problems. Most of the time when I encounter a problem, a difficulty, a need, a, 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 a wound, whatever it is, a bad thing in life, what I default to doing is complaining, griping, criticizing. Woe is me. Life is against me. Now, I want you to raise your hand if griping, complaining, woeing, oh you, have those ever been productive? Because I griped and criticized and complained, woe is me, I can see that that created a good end result solution answer. Raise your hand if that, that plan has worked effectively for you. No, of course not. Nobody can. Here's the thing that we never realize. We complain and we actually think somebody else cares. There is nobody on the planet that cares. You know, oh, my family cares. They don't. They don't. I, pro I promise with my hand on the good book. I promise they don't. But you know what Daniel learned? When Daniel faced incredible difficulty. In, uh, in Daniel chapter 6, the Bible says this. Daniel heard about the king's edict. Nebuchadnezzar's edict. That everybody that believed in the true God rather than in the king, they were about to be thrown into the lion's den. That's a bad problem. And Daniel knew that I'm heading that way. I'm about to wind up in a situation where I'm going to be thrown into a lion's den and eaten and killed. But here's what the Bible says. When Daniel heard about the king's edict, he went up into his room and gave thanks. He went up into his room and gave... That's not, that doesn't sound right. Number one, I'd run to the king and complain. Not fair, not fair, not fair. Daniel didn't complain. Or, okay, at least plan B. Daniel should have run up to his room and said, Oh God, save me, save me. He didn't do anything right. Daniel instead, when he heard the king's edict, he went up into his room and gave thanks. And you know the end of the story of Daniel in the lion's den? 
somehow, rather than complaining and woeing, Daniel, giving thanks, delivered his life. It's productive. Grateful people recognize the difference between doing that which is not productive and that which is productive. Tell you another thing that giving gratitude uh, does. Grateful people consistently, um, they fight their pride. I don't know how to say that right. People that are grateful are aware that they are eat up with pride. People that are not grateful are eat up with pride too. Okay, that includes everybody in this room. Either you are a grateful person or you're not a grateful person. But either group, you're still eat up with pride. Gr expressing gratitude fights that. Expressing gratitude fights that. It, a person that acknowledges God, I've got so many good things in my life. And every one of them, they came from you. Or they came from you through my parents. Or through my friends. Or through my boss. Or through my mate. God, I've got so many blessings. And they came through you and others. That, that is, that's a way of fighting our pride. Listen to what 2 Timothy chapter 3 says. People that, that are, are not this way. It says, they became boastful and proud and ungrateful. There's a connection between pride and a lack of gratitude. People that are not grateful are people that think they have the right to expect life to work the way they want. I have the right for my life to, the way, to work the way I want. There's a connection between pride and a lack of gratitude. There's a connection between humility and gratitude. Uh, second, a third benefit, it fights fear. Remember that famous passage in Nehemiah uh, chapter 8 where Nehemiah tells the people, and just don't, don't forget, the people of God that Nehemiah is speaking to, they have just come back to the promised land after being slaves in Babylon for, for uh, 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 was it 70 years? Is that right? 70 years, Justin? Is that right? Yes, yeah, 70 years. And uh, they have nothing they have nothing. They, they have enemies surrounding them that hate their guts and are trying everything they can to uh, make their lives miserable. They're trying to start farms and businesses and rebuild their houses. They have nothing but difficulty. And do you know what Nehemiah tells the people? Stop. Stop complaining. You're no longer slaves. You've got the land back. You've got opportunities to rebuild your lives. G leave. Go home. Take some animals. Offer some thanks offerings. And celebrate with your families. Give thanks for the blessings that you have. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. There is strength that wells up in us 
when we recognize, gosh, I ought to be thankful because I have been blessed. I can huddle down in fear. The world's bad. The world's bad. Washington's bad. America's bad. The world's bad. Everybody's bad. Woe is me. I can do that. I can do that. Is that what I want? Is that the existence that I want? Or I can begin to recognize the blessings that I've been giving, given and give thanks and the joy that wells up from that. I can find strength. It makes us wise. Paul says in Romans 1, these same people that would not honor God, it says, they would not give God thanks and they became foolish and darkened and confused. People that will not give thanks to God, that are blind to the blessings of God, Paul says they become darkened and foolish and confused. Ingratitude is a powerful force. It, gratitude makes us generous. Remember old Ruth, my favorite lady in the Bible, other than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, but Ruth is one of my favorite people in the Bible. And you remember what Ruth did? She went into the field of Boaz and she worked her fanny off all day long. And at the end of the day, she comes up to Boaz and she says, Boaz, thank you for letting me work in this field. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for blessing me. And then the very next verse says, Ruth got food and took it home to Naomi. Grateful people are generous people. They recognize, oh my gosh, I have been so blessed. I'd like to bless you too. People that are not grateful are stingy. People that are grateful, they're generous. And I could, I could give you many more examples of benefits, but let, let me just leave it at that for the sake of time. Second of all, not only does learning to be grateful impact me in many wonderful ways, me being grateful impacts God. God is pleased God is given joy when those that He loves and blesses look up and they say, thank you. Psalm 69 says this, I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. Have you ever thought about that verse? I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. What does the word magnify mean? There's not a trick question. What's the word magnify mean? Sorry? It makes things look bigger. Now, I don't think David means they're like a microscope. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us give thanks to Him. Let's make little, tiny, puny, weak Small, insignificant things look big. It's our job to make a little God look big. Right? No. Oh, let us give thanks and magnify the Lord. 
I believe it's more like a telescope. We can't see Jupiter. We can't see these, these galaxies, these, these huge stars in the universe. Let's get a telescope so that that which is far away can be seen and marveled at. Who cannot see God. We live in a world of people. Who cannot see God. Or the God that they see. Or think about. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of the universe. That's not the God. That created this universe. That's not the God. Who Made the universe so beautiful just to be a blessing to us. That's not the God that sent his son to die on the cross for us. That, that's the God they believe in is a God that's not true. And when we give thanks to God. It's like we're bringing God down. So that people that can't see him. Don't know him. And believe wrongly about him. All of a sudden they get a glimpse. Of the God. That is true. I read through the Bible every year. You should too. But you know when I read through Exodus. Leviticus. Numbers. And Deuteronomy. Is that my favorite part of the reading journey? No, it's not. But you know one thing that Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy declares very clearly? People that are traveling with God that are consistently complainers, it makes God sad. I hate manna. I hate uh, quail. This water's not cold. I hate rock water. I, I don't like the path we're going. I don't like this. God does not enjoy traveling with people that complain. When we decide to give thanks, when we decide to express gratitude, we are magnifying. We're bringing down so that people can see how glorious the God of the Bible is. And when I choose to complain and be negative and faithless and hopeless, it grieves the heart of God. My point today that I want you to go home with and consider, especially this week, we are all going to leave here today. And most of us are going to go and spend some time with family and friends. Now, for some of you, you are so excited you can't wait. For some of you, it feels like you got your draft notice in the mail. And you're like, oh, crud. Um, you, you, you are not as excited about it. I want us to consider just for the five minutes that I've got left. The impact that our response to the life that we've been given 
it has incredible impact upon the people around us. I want to suggest to you today that the people in your life, they long to be around others that are grateful just like you do. Just like you do. Grateful, the people that be around people that are thankful and positive and grateful, the people in my life want the same thing. Psalm 34 says this, I will extol and praise the Lord and glory in His name and the afflicted will hear and be filled with joy. I will give thanks to the Lord. And the people around me will be filled with joy. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love for your kids to come and spend Thanksgiving with you? And for them to get in the car and drive away. And for Amy to turn to Zach and go, you know what? We've had a tough season. And I really wasn't, I'd, I'd like to have just laid on the couch and watched football. And, but you know, I'm leaving my mom's today. And I'm joyful. I'm happy. I'm happier today because I came to be around X, Y, or Z than I would have been if I'd stayed home. It is so hard to be around people that are always complaining, always ungrateful. Ingratitude, it impacts us in such terrible ways. It drains us, it shuts us down, it makes us withdraw, and ultimately it will cause us to flee. Do you remember George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life? There was a dark moment in his life where he came home to his family. And you know, remember what happened? What happened? Walked in and he grabbed the, the, the knob on the stairs and it came off and it was like the last straw. Why do we have to have all these kids? Why do we have to live in an old house? Why do I have to have the job that I've got? Why do I? And you know what Mrs. Bailey's response was? George, why don't you leave? George, why don't you leave? When we get into a place where what consistently flows out of our mouths and our hearts is our focus on bad, on negative, on problems. The people in our lives, they, they don't want to be around us. I ask you again, remember the Israelites wandering through the wilderness? I hate everything. Nothing's good. Everything's bad. Why, why do I have to go through this? Woe is me. Hey, you want to go travel with them for a while with me? Who wants to go join the Israelites on a trip? No, thank you. No, thank you. I want my children and my grandchildren to value my opinions. 
I want them to listen to me. I want them to respect what I think. I want them to hear me out when I have things to say. I want them to respect my values and my beliefs. You do too. You want your mate, your parents, your children, your grandchildren, your, your friends, you, the people you were. You want the people in your life to respect you and what you believe and what you value. You want them to listen to you. I want to suggest to you that having a grateful, optimistic, positive, thankful spirit and attitude will make that more possible than if we didn't. Um, show that. There you go. Which one of those people you want to travel with? Which one of those people do you want to have Thanksgiving lunch with? Which one of those people do you want to go to for advice? Which one of those people will better describe your countenance when your family goes home from Thanksgiving lunch? Christianity at its core is the gospel. Right? The gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Do you know what the word gospel means? It's good news. And yet, I have to ask myself, the world that I live in, when they think about my life message, is it predominantly a message of good news? Or is it predominantly a message of gloom and doom and despair? We can learn to be grateful. It is a, bless you. Gratitude is, I'm not, I'm not, gratitude is not a personality trait. It's not. Gratitude is a, a skill that can be developed. Paul learned to be grateful in a prison cell. After being beaten. David learned to be grateful. After being a fugitive. In caves. Ruth learned to be grateful. You know Ruth for Ruth to go to Boaz. And say I'm so thankful. I'm so blessed by your kindness. Well Ruth. Let's just sit down and analyze. All the problems that are still in your life. You're still poor. You're still desperate. You're still destitute. You still got all kind of issues. You're still living as a foreigner in a, in a foreign land. We, the problems aren't gone. But Ruth chose to express gratitude. We can learn. Daniel learned. Daniel, you got bad problems, dude. But I can choose to give thanks. Ezra, Nehemiah, you're living in a terrible situation. Yes, we are. There's problems everywhere. Yes, there are. But we can choose to give thanks.
Isn't that why the psalmist says, let's offer the Lord a sacrifice of praise? Aren't sacrifices by definition hard? By definition, if it's easy, it's not a sacrifice. Oh, that we would see. I'm not, are we pretending that the world doesn't have real problems? Are we little Pollyannas who walk around saying everything's great when it's not? Are we supposed to live in a place of denial and pretense? Are we, there's a time for difficult messages and difficult discussions. There's a time to weep and to grieve over the difficulties in our lives. That's, that's not the point. I'm just suggesting that as Christians who have God Almighty living inside them and have His promise, I'm, I love you, I'm committed to you, I'm at work in you, and we're going to win. We're going to win big. Paul says that we at times grieve but we don't grieve like people with no hope. I can acknowledge my problems and pain and my concerns for the difficult world that I live in and at times have serious conversations about those things. Understanding. But do I have the understanding that I live in a world that is hopeless and pessimistic and discouraged and afraid and skewed and suspicious like never before. And I can either invade their lives with a word of gratitude and thanks because of the blessings that I recognize that I've been given. Just the fact that I woke up beside somebody this morning. I woke up in a house that had heat. I woke up in a house with clean water. I woke up and opened my closet and there were clean clothes there. I woke up this morning and I had the ability to read the Bible. To enjoy a pretty walk. My legs work. And to come home and look at my family and say, you know what? I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the blessings that I've enjoyed this morning. Paul says that we can learn to be content. It's a learned trait. We can also learn to be grateful. It takes practice. It takes help. Because sometimes I'll start complaining and I don't even know that I'm complaining. And I need friends and family to go, you happy today? Tell me a blessing in your life. Oh yeah, I better be quiet. Better shut my trapper. And, uh, and um, uh, find something good to say. We need help per learning a new skill. But we can learn it. We can learn it. I gave thanks to the Lord for his blessings and the afflicted around me were filled with joy. I, 
I love that. I love that. Okay. Um, let me see here. Um, I'll tell you what. Ron, you and Fred come up here and help me today. Please. Hebrews chapter 12 says that because we are inheriting a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Because we are inheriting a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The place you live in, I I am so sorry, it is someday going to fall down. The company you work for is going to go belly up someday. Ask IBM uh, uh, or um, uh, GE. The the people that you live around and care about, every one of them are going to die. But we have been promised a kingdom that is unshakable. It will last forever. And because that is God's promise, we can be thankful. We can be thankful. If your confidence has been placed in the king of that unshakable kingdom, I believe in him. If I'm going to get to heaven, it's going to be because of him. If I'm going to get through today and tomorrow and next week and next year, it's going to be because of him. He's who I am resting in and trusting in to get me through life. If that's your belief and confidence and hope, I invite you. Well, I'm Catholic. I'm Methodist. I'm Presbyterian. I'm just, I don't even know who I am or why I'm here, but I'm here. Whoever you are, if that's your confidence That's your hope. That's your belief. You come. You eat bread. You drink wine or juice. And give thanks. Okay? My right and my left who would like to pray for you. Please avail yourself of them.